Today, there are two million descendants of French-Canadian immigrants living in New England. These are our stories. Welcome to the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. Venez tous jeunes filles et garçons, je vais vous raconter l'histoire de notre immigration ici au USA, de grands aventuriers de pays étrangers. This is the French-Canadian Legacy Podcast. I am Jesse Martineau. Now this week, I am very excited to dedicate an entire episode to a project we have mentioned quite a few times on the podcast. Franco Foods is a terrific YouTube series done in association with the Franco-American Center here in Manchester, New Hampshire. And during this YouTube show, which is cool, you get to watch a particular dish being made while you get kind of like a cultural and language lesson at the same time. It is a very, very cool project. Already had a ton of success. And joining us now is the mother-son team behind this terrific YouTube show, Natalie and Oscar Herdy. Natalie and Oscar, welcome to the French Canadian Legacy Podcast. Hi. Thank <laughs> Thanks for having us. Now, this is cool. So before we get going too much on Franco Foods, I want to get a little bit of your stories, kind of your background. So Natalie, maybe give us a heads up. Where did you grow up and how did you become active in the Franco-American scene in New Hampshire? Uh, born and raised in Chattagate on the southwest shore of Montreal, and that's very important for a Chateauguay to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very okay. important. Uh, so I was there. I grew up there. And um, fast forward, went to University of Ottawa, where eventually I met my now husband, Thomas Hurdy. And we were married in 1996. And a month after our wedding, we moved to the States. Yeah, fast forward again, 20 years <laughs> later. <laughs> Lots of fast forwarding. You know, we um, settled in New Hampshire, have three kids. Oscar's the middle child, the poor guy. Uh, <laughs> and um, at one point, I, I was fortunate enough that I could be a stay-at-home mom. That's what I wanted to do, and I was able to do so. But there comes a point where I wanted to do something more, or not more, but something different outside as the kids needed me less and start looking for a part-time job. And I found the Franco-American Center and... Funny enough, the day I saw the ad on Craigslist was the deadline for the application process. Awesome. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's how I got involved. I really didn't know much about the Franco-American scene at that point and uh, got a crash course in what it was uh, to be a Franco-American in New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you even have any clue at all growing up where you were in Quebec that there were these organizations like the Franco-American Center no. here? <laughs> Nope, none whatsoever, which is great. Like podcasts such as yours, our channel, uh, you know, and all the, the social media has been a boon, I think, of recognition on the other side, on the border, like on the Canadian side for them, for people to realize that there's a thriving Franco community in the U.S., not just New England, which is, of course, a huge part of it, but sure. everywhere. And I think that's a wonderful thing for them to realize. And I think that's been very conducive to um, reconnection of the two countries and the, the culture, the French culture here and the French culture in Canada and Quebec. Very cool. Now, Oscar, how about yourself? How familiar were you with any of this Franco stuff when you were growing up? I was totally oblivious to the whole <laughs> organization of it. Uh, and I mean, I only really, even even once my mom got her job at uh, the Franco-American Center, I only really started learning about it like a year or two afterwards and started actually helping out at different events and taking pictures and stuff. 
Yeah, well, he was uh, in high school where we live in Litchfield. Sophomores and seniors need to do a project and sure. do volunteer hours. His was volunteering at the Franco-American Center in his sophomore year. No, that's, him in. <laughs> no that's very, very cool. Oscar, you run the production side of everything here. So how did you even get into film? Like, how did that even start? Uh, so when I was in about seventh grade, I want to say, I saw a special effect of, it was in whatever movie it was, the, there's the actor that is uh, like cloned. So there's two of him that you can see on the screen. And I oh. was like blown away. So <laughs> the first thing I ever tried to do was I tried to clone myself using special effects. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I mean. I'm learning something here. I never heard that just... story before. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I never actually showed you the video. No, you never yeah, but, So this um, still exists? This video exists of you twice? I, 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 don't, I don't think it is. I think I, I, think I like nuked my, my hard drive on my computer a few years back, and it disappeared into the void. So at this point, it's archaic knowledge. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So just self-taught from there? Is that what happened? Yeah, I mean, I just kind of, if I didn't know how something worked, I would go onto YouTube and look up a tutorial on how to cut two pieces of film together and splice them together to look like one continuous shot and just kind of keep going and researching and researching until I can put a video together myself. That is very, very cool. All right, Franco Foods. Where did the idea from Franco Foods come from? Well, I guess originally, so... You know, some people may remember something major happened in March 2020, and we are all stuck home. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might have heard. Uh, so, you know, being a nonprofit was John and I, my boss, who's John, who's the executive director, who you know well. Um, yes. We were talking about what could we do to engage our members and supporters and but also especially with everything going on something that was quite frankly was a free activity that people could do and i was thinking humming and hawing and i thought well you know what everybody loves to cook and right now everybody's going to want to cook so i came up with a recipe swap an online reso once a month we did a zoom meeting and i changed the topic and whatnot and we just did a recipe swap and it was a lot of fun and i think the most the best part of it wasn't so much the recipes but people would start talking, oh, when I was a kid and my sure. mom did, the, you know, you know, we all know the culture, everything is so closely linked to food. So I started that in April of 2020. And then I knew as we were heading towards November, the holidays, I knew I pretty much maxed out what I could do with that. So I started talking with my family and Oscar goes, you know, mom, YouTube channel. He goes, you know, you love to cook. We could take the similar concepts. So uh, really, at that point, the whole YouTube aspect, that's all Oscar. He's the that's one awesome. who really came up with the concept and, you know, a lot of batting back and forth. Um, but uh, and then so we talked and talked and talked through the holidays, spent hours just sitting in front of the fireplace, coming up with ideas. And uh, then suddenly. So what we did is we did a, um, a practice or a, a concept video to show John and then uh, president of the FAC, um, Joe Terrio, shared it with them and they loved the concept. And that's how we started. And we decided to have our first video in March. So at this point, we're in January 2021 and we decided we would launch it 
in March because of Francophonie Month. So we figured it was a perfect slot to, t- to put it in. And that's how we started. <laughs> Very cool. Did you guys always know it was going to be called Franco Foods or was that actually a discussion? I think it was. I think we pretty immediately agreed yeah. that Franco Foods would work because that was that was the name of the food. Of it was the, the uh, recipe, recipe swap. swap. Yeah, so yeah. Oh, cool. it was kind of always already a known entity of our people who followed us, I guess. But Oscar found it. It flowed well. It was a catchy, easy title to remember. Uh, no, that's cool. Channel, yeah. Now, so. now, can you describe the show? What would people see if they were to tune in? Very laid back. It it just always opens up and with a very uh, calm tone on what we're make on what food we're making and we try to touch on facts about the location and its origin and maybe History. any other interesting historical facts yeah, yeah. and it's it's almost it, um, the way I guess the feel that I guess I kind of go towards as the, the the voice of the project is kind of like your guests in my kitchen and while I'm cooking, we're having a conversation. That's kind of the idea behind it. That's what we strive for. And obviously this is just, we've just like beginning of this month was our first year anniversary. So we've been learning a lot and figuring things out. I'm getting more and more comfortable being recording uh, my audios and stuff. Yeah, no, I think what you what you mentioned that you you know you are the the voice of the project. For those who haven't seen it yet, obviously you got to check it out. But um, you actually don't appear; your face does not appear on the camera. You all you see is you see your hands and you see you talking. Like was it the intention right from the very beginning that you know what, I'm not going to actually fully appear on camera? You're just going to watch my hands make this stuff. Yeah, sometimes people will see maybe the top of my head when I'm stretching over. But uh, yeah, partially, quite frankly, I'm not that comfortable in front of a camera. But also conceptually, Oscar and I both agreed that it's about the food. And it's about the the surroundings of the food. And we didn't want anything to distract from that. Um, And honestly, it's just made it easier, I think, in, in some respect, too, for the filming of things. I mean, mind you, now we have two cameras and we've had for a little while now. So that yeah. made things nice to be have it B-roll and stuff. But um, yeah, no, it was a, at the beginning. It, the main reason for me was simply lack of comfort in front of a camera. <laughs> I got you. Well, it definitely works. I think it's a cool approach for sure. Yeah. And now, how do you guys determine what food you are going to feature on the show? <laughs> Uh, partially. So I downloaded, I have the list. So, you know, I'm sure I'm not telling you something you don't know, but there's the Organisation Internationale de la Francophonie, sure. OIF. And uh, the video, really, when it comes to the channel, is sell, is to celebrate the foods and the culture around the foods and whatnot, not just of Quebec, which of course is near and dear to my heart, and, you know, New England and Canada and whatnot but of the entirety of the Francophonie. So I downloaded the list of the 88 countries that are a part of it. And, um, you know, every once in a while I'll pick a lot of it goes what I'm in the mood to make, but like we actually just today uploaded and it's now live, um, an episode on St. Lucia and the national dish of St. Lucia. I try to bop around, you know, to partially to gently educate that, I think a lot of people, especially in North America, don't realize that there's more to the French world than parts of Europe and, of course, Quebec slash Canada and, of course, a bit in the U.S. I think 
we're so in our, our, our bubble is so huge in North America. I mean, you know, you got Canada and US, two humongous countries that would be an, like, if you went to Europe, that would be like six, seven countries. Right. No, sure. <laughs> so I think we have such a huge bubble that we sometimes forget the variety out there. So that's part of it is I wanted to kind of introduce people to it. But there's also the fact that this video, this channel supports the mission of the Franco-American Center, which is about celebrating Franco-Americans. And Franco-Americans of today are not, don't necessarily look the same, if shall we say, or not necessarily made up quite exactly the same as it was in the 1950s. Uh, a huge population now of Franco-Americans are from the Congo and from Haiti and from Senegal. So I think it's important to celebrate those cultures. And frankly, the bonus is we've discovered a lot of great foods that never would have made <laughs> ever. I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. So how, how often are we watching on the YouTube show you make a dish for the very first time that you've never even seen before? I'd say what about... At least 75 to 80%. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's awesome. How would I say this? I have no trouble whatsoever being caught screwing it up. <laughs> yeah. Because the way I see it, if it if it works fantastic, let's I'll be super thrilled. But if I screw it up, if I make mistakes, if it's a total flop, I think it's okay for A, for people to see it, and B, it'll help others going, oh, she did that. I'm going to try it, but I'm going to stay away from that mistake. <laughs> Sure. So I think there's a bit of that. And, you know, I just I'm, I'm that crazy person that I'd have a dinner party and make a recipe for the first time. And if it doesn't work out, let's order pizza. I like that. That's cool. So no guts, no glory. <laughs> Oscar, are you familiar with any of these at all prior to deciding that you were going to get involved in a food show on, the, on YouTube? That's cool. No, the home stuff. The home stuff, yeah. Which is, I mean, few and far between. <laughs> I'm, I, my, my French isn't the most um, advanced. So even even when she's like, oh, we're going to make like skakim, which that one I actually know now. But I, I would always be like, oh, yeah, we've had it. But okay, sure, whatever that is. And I mean, I uh, I definitely don't consider myself a cook. And, I, and we were joking around just the other day that I could tell people exactly how to cook something. But if they asked me to help them, I would not be able to at all. <laughs> That's awesome. Although when he visited his sister in Nova Scotia, he used yeah. a Franco Foods video to make a meal for, for her and her roommate. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, so. that's awesome. So, I mean, something that's I mean, super obvious just watching uh, each episode is there's clearly some background research that goes into anything you guys do. Because not only are you preparing this recipe that, like we just said, you may never have tried before, but there's a cultural lesson along with it. There's often a language lesson or a history lesson. So maybe you can tell, how does the research go into, like, what does that process look like when you're getting ready to, to film? Uh, so, so kind of give you an idea. Basically, Oscar and I both have our roles in this team up. He, like you said, he's the production. He's the behind the scenes. Anything you see that's been done on screen, that's like uh, any kind of manipulation and recording, audio, everything. That's him. Special effects, whatever, that's him. Everything else, that's me. So the research as well. And so when I know I'm going to be working, I've decided, like, for example, St. Lucia, I take a couple of days as, as I'm prepped. First, the first research will be, especially if it's a country I don't know, is going to be, I reach out to consulates and embassies 
very to cool. see if there's anybody who will connect with me, which I've been lucky. Like the my very first international one, which was the Senegalese episode, a lady from the Senegalese embassy in Washington, D.C. reached out and I interviewed her. That's so awesome. That, I, love, I love when I can talk to someone from those countries because then it's not just... I Googled and this is what I found. Sure. It's an actual person telling me about their experiences. So I love that. Um, but then that's what I do. If I don't have anybody to, with, with whom to speak, I'll just, I research. And uh, the first thing I research is what's the national dish? What's, or what's the most, like, and I'm sure if anybody who's traveled has Googled, what should I do when I go to sure. whatever? So yeah. I kind of do that. And then, uh, when I'm writing the script, which is so we film and then Oscar gives me the raw footage because while I follow the timeline of the video, I'll be writing my script to, to get an idea of where to fit stuff in. And so that's where I'll see also, OK, how much time do we have? So then I'll start researching. I know that I usually obviously want to have a language aspect like the vocab and whatnot. But I also try to do, like you say, history or cultural information. So I just start to read up on them. Yeah, that's pretty much how that happens. Well, and it's, <laughs> it's such a it's always such a bummer at the end of the uh, of the cutting as well, because there are so many facts and there are some cases where it's either it just doesn't mesh well with what's on screen or we, mm. we just can't find time to, to keep it in. So I end up cutting like a good 20 percent of the yeah. facts. Yeah. Most of the time. Which we should start using for our social media, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's what you save for the uh, Patreon subscribers down there. <laughs> yeah, there that's the bonus. That's the bonus <laughs> material for them, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah. that's no. this is all really, really interesting. Actually, Oscar, from the production end, because I know there's a ton of work that goes on behind the scenes of you know any type of thing. Mike does a ton of work for this podcast. Sure. What does it look like from your end? Like, how many even minutes of film are we talking about for like, what turns into like a five or ten minute you know episode? Uh, so it, it really varies. I mean, especially as I get better uh, with editing, I mean, like there, there's the more footage we have, it, it just takes more time to edit it down to 10 minutes because our, our goal is always to keep to 10 minutes. But generally, I would say that our the raw footage always comes out to be anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour and a half. And I mean, that's that's just like the the round number. We, we did have one where it ended up being like three hours long. Yeah, but that was oh, because wow. there were so many steps and it took... You, we had a lot of, especially when I make breads and stuff, right? There's a lot of wait times and we try to, like, we, we discussed it and we prefer capturing more than not enough because then it's easier to cut out than go, oh, shoot, we should have filmed that. <laughs> so, And it's definitely yeah. a double-edged sword because, you know, the, 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 more, the more safe you try to be while filming, uh, the more post-production you hate yourself <laughs> for giving yourself that much work. That reminds me every time I when we used to when I used to record just via Zoom from my living room and we could edit all this out. You see Mike's reaction when I would send him like a ninety minute interview <laughs> <laughs> for for the podcast. He'd be thrilled for sure. But uh, you guys have some guests recently. Yeah, so how, how did that come about? Well, actually, the f I, I knew it was something that ultimately I wanted to do. My husband works for this company, and there's a gentleman there who is from northern Maine, Fort Kent, I want to say, area. And he's Acadian, you know, on his parents' side. So he was like, oh, if ever she wants to do it, I'd, I'd love to help her out. I'll do So, okay, sure. And, and, I mean, I'm pretty open about these things. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, so that was that. And then, of course, chatting with Melody, 
uh, you know, of modern Francos, um, she and I had had a, a, a chat about the fact that I know that, you know, I had looked at her website and I would start following what she was doing and her lifestyle and whatnot uh, for modern Francos. And I liked the fact that she does a lot of vegan and vegetarian things. And so we started talking about, you know, let's see about coming up with a vegetarian or vegan tortillère. And so that's how that episode happened, which funny enough, I mean, you can cut this out if you think it's not okay, but here's, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to I already like what's coming. Okay. A lot of, <laughs> we knew that people, a lot of people, their noses were going to be out of joint because yeah. we were making a vegan tortilla. And the thing is, I think the tough part sometimes, and I'm guilty of that. I've been away from Quebec now. I've moved away. Well, we've been in this house. Well, my husband and I have been married for 25 years. So we've been away from Canada for 25 years. Sure. And when you move away someplace, it's like, you know, when you watch a movie and you see the kid actor and the movie's 30 years old and then you see them and your brain can't process that. And I think it's the same kind of thing when you immigrate from someplace and you're gone for a long time. It's a picture in time that it still is like that. And I think the, the people who have been away from the Quebec and Canada for a long time in their mind things are still done the same way as they were in the 1950s. My family is still all in Montreal. And I actually, one of my nieces just completed a culinary arts degree. And we were talking about the food trends. And there's a huge vegetarian veganism movement in Quebec as well. And when we were talking over the holidays and everybody was saying, oh yeah, so-and-so, they're bringing a vegan tortilla or they're bringing a vegetarian version. It's been going on for years. So... I, you know, I think it was an important, as much as some might not have appreciated, I think it was an important thing to do to show that traditions do change. And uh, I'm glad we did it. And I'm glad that uh, Melody was with us. She was great. Loved having her with us. And uh, yeah. And then the next episode that was definitely traditional was Creton, or as you guys call it, Gorton. And that was the pure, real good pork. <laughs> yeah, we're good. We're we're gonna touch on that for sure before before this interview is over, no doubt. <laughs> so, but, yeah, been, uh, but it's been a lot of fun having uh, people with us. You know, I we're heading in a direction. I think I'm really pleased about the, the conversations. Oscar and I we both agree about the direction that we want to go with the channel and uh, what that means for guests and whatnot. So we're pretty excited about that. Very very cool. Yeah, obviously that's the favorite episode of Team. French Canadian legacy, be able to get Melody on the show. That was cool. And and what you guys mentioned, because I knew you guys were going to take some flack for that, but I <laughs> do agree that it is super, super, super important to be able to have people with dietary restrictions for one reason or another. Too often, I think they're told that, you know, they're not invited to the party anymore because if they don't do things the exact same way they've always been done, then, yeah. they, you know, sorry, you can't participate. Uh, but when we got you know, Franco-Americans trying as hard as possible to do what they can to hang on to that heritage, that culture, and to connect in ways in any way they possibly could. Anything we could do to make that more accessible to people, I think is incredibly important. So I'm really I, glad you guys did that. Thank you. Well, I think tradition and cultures are like anything else in the world, adapt or die. Sure. And no. I would rather change a recipe. So like even Oscar doesn't know, he's a 
how do you how do you say you're a bad vegetarian because he doesn't join his meats once in a while but he does tend to prefer vegetarian and so he was thrilled to have that option i'd rather tweak things so that my kids and maybe later on hint hint my grandkids uh, (laughs) no no pressure not right now not right now (laughs) but that they um that they will still be enjoying the essence of of the tradition if that makes sense no absolutely i think that's very very cool now you guys have been getting some media attention which i think is very very fun including new hampshire chronicle for those who don't know that's a kind of a daily show that airs here in new hampshire and features a bunch of you know fun stories from across Mm -hmm. the granite state so how did it come about that you guys and franco foods was featured (laughs) on new hampshire chronicle you don't want to take that one (laughs) I, I don't even know if I have the full story. Okay. Because I, I, I barely even understand. Okay. How he's <laughs> okay. So, about what? A couple of weeks before Christmas, without telling myself <laughs> or Oscar, my husband Thomas emailed WMUR I love and that. said, Hey, here's what my wife and son are doing. Take a look. Here's the link. I think it's something your audience would like. And within a couple of days, I guess so it went. Whoever got a WMUR gave it to New Hampshire Chronicle, and we got an email, and he goes, okay, this is what I did, and now they want to do this. And I'm like, you what? (laughs) That's awesome. And we're still waiting on Netflix because he emailed them too. (laughs) Perfect. But it it went fast, and I was incredibly nervous um, (laughs) because, again, I had to be in front of the camera this time. I was going to say that you can't, you're not just hiding them when you do New Hampshire Chronicle. You're in front of the camera in New Hampshire Chronicle, yeah. in front of a lot of people. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they were wonderful, uh, you know, both Gene and, um, what's his name again? I'm listening. Joel. Joel, thank you. I knew it was a J. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gene and Joel, um, they were wonderful. They made us very comfortable. Joel, I have to say on a proud mama moment, he was so utterly impressed with our production setup and with Oscar's knowledge and, and what he his talent and and Gene Mackin actually emailed me to give me an update before it aired and said, yeah, they're finishing off the the, the editing and our lead editor is like floored by Oscar's talent. So yes, proud mama moment, very proud. Mama. <laughs> no, that's cool. <laughs> and you guys you guys went with the uh, the butter tarts. For that, now was that? Did you guys already plan the butter tarts episode, or was that like, yeah, we're gonna be on TV now. Let's reach in and pull out something that we know we can do well. <laughs> no, actually, the reason I I wanted to do something that was fairly traditional, Canadian sure. wise, Canada wise, uh, but also something we'd already done because just from the emails, I knew that they were gonna go pull in already existing videos. So I figured it it was easier to do it that way, and you know, figured everybody likes butter tarts, so it's a sweet, safe bet. <laughs> So very, that was fun. Good. It was a lot of fun. They're super nice. And uh, we we definitely are thrilled by the exposure it's given us. And, and actually, Oscar works uh, part-time here in town at the local television station. And not too long <laughs> after it aired, he was at a meet in one of the board meetings. And, and he heard on the hot mic that they didn't know. He goes, yeah, I think I saw him on New Hampshire Chronicle. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. So that no, that's fun. cool. And yeah. one, one other thing that came out of that, Big Red Bull. <laughs> we need to hear the story of the big red bowl oh that's my mom's that was my mom's bowl that's the that's the bowl that all the cake batters and donut batters and whatever good sweet delicious treat mate was made out of that bowl and 
Um, after mom passed away and we emptied out the house, I kept that one and another bowl that I use for whenever I make bread. Those, it's just one of those, you know, uh, I, I, I think I would just blubber out and cry if something happened to it. <laughs> and I, I got to say, it, it was kind of surreal to see that because they, they give this whole, this whole big story about the big red bowl. Yeah. And before then I was like, oh yeah, it's Meme's bowl. And that's that, that was it. So I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it, it's it, yeah, it's uh, it's just one of those things that you know, I, I I'll I make my mom's cake batter recipe when I make birthday cakes, and I'm a little girl again because it tastes the same, and because it's her recipe, and I made the kids' birthday cake, so it's it's kind of a way for me to stay connected with her. You that know, is sappy, very but, very you know, cool. It is what it no. is. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that's the kind of reason a lot of us get involved in stuff like this, mm -hmm. to, because we have those kind of connections. I think that's yeah. very, very cool. So as we're kind of winding up, I guess, I do need to ask a couple of important questions. <laughs> For, we don't actually get to try any of this. What's been the best so far? Your favorite so far of all the stuff you made? You were like, you know what? That came out really, really good. I will say I was very proud of, it's not necessarily my favorite, but I was very proud of the vegan tortilla because I made it up on the spot. We didn't have so you came up with that recipe yourself. Yeah, we. Uh, God love her. She, I, I think Melody arrived and she, you know she brought me the gluten free stuff, but she didn't realize, and and that's my own fault too. I'm sure because I or fault being a big word, but you know I never. I'm still getting used to having guests, so so sure. I thought she was going to bring stuff, and she figured I had everything. So she walked in, and I'm like, okay, so let's see, let's <laughs> use carrots and let not, you know. So I'm kind of just oh wow, I just threw it all together. So it was amazing as well because I I genuinely could not tell the difference between really and vegan. Yeah, because we ended up making normal tortilla like shortly after and yeah, we still had the leftovers. Holidays, yeah. Could not tell the difference. Yeah, so I was. I'm very. It's not my favorite, but I'm sure. proud of that. That I was able to whip that up. So I'm proud of Not myself you. there. But I don't know favorites. I really. Um, I don't know. I know you I like. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't actually know your favorite because yeah. I'm always the one who's super verbal at the end of the videos. <laughs> I'm like, that was so good. That was amazing. <laughs> um, I well, I used to say that the valuvant was my favorite food, but Volova. But Volova, yeah. Yeah. Um, but we. Saltfish was the one we just did. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's the one that's on up now. It's the sure. Saint Lucian one. Yeah, you that really one, like that. That one's my like top three right now. It is really good. Yeah, no, and, that's awesome. And I really, I enjoy, I enjoyed the bunya a lot. I think yeah, I love the traditional stuff, right? But I think really what gets me excited is the new stuff that I've never done before, and it. And I discover it and I'm like, damn, you know, this is pretty darn good. And actually, when I made the Haitian patties, one of my friends uh, is from Colombia and uh, served with it was what the was Benenpez or um, shoot, I can't remember what they call it in Colombia, but uh, it's the plantains, you know, that are smashed and fried. Right. Sure. And I called her up. I said, I've never done this before. Would you mind? So she came over. To taste, and she's like, "Oh my gosh, that's just like my mom's." Oh, that's awesome! So I was like, "Yes." <laughs> Haitian patties was. Really yeah, he really <laughs> likes the Haitian patties. Yeah, we like that. Cool. So, so no, I think cool. I'm liking the. You know what? The pasticcio. I was, really? I was so I love Greek food, and I was so excited when I found that Greece was part of the francophone. I'm like, sweet, we get to do Greek episodes. <laughs> so I did like the pasticcio a lot. <laughs> no, that's cool. Very, very nice. I just did my first entire episode in French. Any yeah. chance that we get a Franco food? 
en français in the future? We have discussed it. We're cool. we're kind of back we're back and forth on it because I guess I think the bulk of our audience is not francophone French speakers, sure. so we don't want to lose them or get them frustrated. But I don't know. We're back and forth. Well, I I had two ideas. One one of them was yeah, you do French and then I just subtitle it English, which sure. I mean, yeah, yeah, it takes more time or whatever. But I I liked the idea of like. Well, I, I I wanted you to flex basically. You're, you're fluent in French, sure. <laughs> um, uh, but my other idea is that we kind of do like a joke episode where it's like, I think we ended up scrapping it. The idea. I don't even remember this. It was like a joke, like a joke episode where you like you take the stereotype of being a Quebec French. Speaker. Oh yes, oh yeah, and yeah. we decided yeah, probably not a good idea. <laughs> too many You're just people. The fire. Yeah, too, yeah, too much of a controversy sure. there. So yeah, no, um, no, we have. But although, like my so my niece uh, who just who finished in the culinary arts, we've already planned that when she comes to visit us, we are going to be filming. And uh, one of the things we want to do is basically because uh, she in her training, she um, interned with some of the top chefs in Montreal. Cool. And so would be to uh, talk about the evolving culinary scene in Montreal and in Quebec. So I'm sure there would be pr more French. I mean, her English is excellent, uh, but she does have that French accent. So I'm sure we would wind up nice. deking back and forth, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. So as you are the Franco food guys, I can't let you go without some hard-hitting Franco food-related questions that have been posed to me a number of times. Number one, pork pie, tortillera, turkey, whatever you want to call it, potatoes or no potatoes? For me, it's no potatoes, but that's just because what I grew up with. Give me one with potatoes, I'll eat it. Gotcha. So you're not you – know, it's not a big deal to you either way. No, I think I almost find it's funny to have all these arguments because it is. It's fun. It's like it, it is funny, haha. But it's also why are we arguing? They all taste great. Yeah, <laughs> you it's and it's it's one of those things. It's again, you know, related to your own family heritage and tradition. So celebrate it, enjoy it, and you know, let the others do the same. Now, now did you grow up with ketchup or gravy? I had never heard about gravy until I met. <laughs> <laughs> I was I remember gotcha. talking with Joanne Belanger, and she was talking about gravy. I'm like, you put gravy on that? <laughs> it's like now for us, it's good old fashioned ketchup or my my or uh, homemade chow chow. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's funny for me. It was the exact opposite. I never in a million years thought you would put ketchup <laughs> on. Uh, what my family was torque is what we was called. It was like no, we have yeah. it for. You know, we have it on Thanksgiving, you yeah. have it on Christmas, you have it on New Year's. It always is right next to the gravy because yeah. you have it with gravy. But yeah, no, very fun. Now, and I did mention before that we would come back what and I grew up with being called Gotton, mm -hmm. but you guys call Creton here. Yeah. So we can't let the guys go without mentioning that episode. It's something that I've exactly grew up with, had forever, never saw it ever spelt with a CR until I was actually at a restaurant with my sister who saw it on the menu. It was like, what is this? I'm like, <laughs> I had to let her know exactly what it was, that we called it something different because I didn't know what went into it. I had zero clue what mm -hmm. went into this dish until I saw you guys make it. So for those who grew up with Gauton and like myself, who had no idea what it's actually about, can you just explain what is a Gauton? It's a, basically a pork spread. It's I so here's my my own um, theory of how this started. I know there's a history behind it, but my theory is in this in the form that it is today, 
is that we know, you know, immigrants or people, they don't, especially back in the whatever year, they didn't waste anything. And if, when you prepare it, you look at it, it's basically like mix, but it's like mm -hmm. the end of it with lots of liquid. So I think that's where somebody thought, you know what, let's just add more spices and some bread to sop it up and let's see how it turns. That's my theory. But it's basically, it's a pork spread. And um, I love it. And that's why the, the Melissa, who joined us, is also a colleague of uh, Thomas's. She had brought to him a sample for me to taste. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that tastes exactly like what I grew up with. So that's how she wound up being a guest. And uh, but yeah, it's, and Oscar was like, I think he's trying to mainline the Katoka's <laughs> veganism does not happen. He loves it. <laughs> it is. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the big thing that I find in which Melissa and I both talked about the whole uh, mustard on top, I was like, really? Nope. <laughs> we just plain. Really? OK. Yeah. yeah. Because that's it's funny. I've talked about that with uh, Matt Preventure, who mm -hmm. grew up in Manchester. He's won back-to-back -back Putsin Fest, the I chef, know. chef Matt Preventure. And he's going to be one of the judges at, uh, at the Fleur de Nice Challenge. Awesome guy. Very, very cool guy. And yep. he, he, he grew up the same way as me for whatever reason. You could have all the fancy mustards in the world when it comes to mm -hmm. Gauton. Just plain yellow mustard. That's it. It's all, it was always just plain yellow mustard in the family for whatever yeah, reason. See, I, I tried it and it's not bad, but for me, it, it masks the uh, the clove and the very light seasoning. So I prefer it plain on toast. Gotcha. Mine, well, this I is... also eat it in like scoops. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Of course. <laughs> it was fun to see it. You know, when I was up in Quebec, you, when you get like the traditional breakfast up there, it was always part of it. It was mm -hmm. pretty neat. This has been awesome. This has been a ton of fun. So as we sign off, what is the future of Franco Foods and where can we send people who want to check out this amazing program? If people want to watch Franco Foods, then uh, go onto YouTube and just type in Franco Foods and we'll be the first results. Hopefully. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the future, I will say one of the plans that we have is uh, every maybe once a quarter um, is to start highlighting uh, local chefs and restaurants that are connected somehow to the Franco world. For example, our very first one, I'll give you a little glimpse, is with Alexandre Waddell of Cremeux Pastry in Merrimack. And very cool. Who graciously invited us in and uh, got to speak with them. And I want to start, I've got a couple of other chefs um, that I've spoken with who are very game to be either us in their kitchen or they come to here. And partially, I want to learn from them stuff sure. that I really either I'm not good at or don't know how and then take what they've taught me and do it at home. So, but I, I want to start highlighting these uh, partially because I think it'll be fun for people to see professionals in a casual manner, but sure. also there's, I guess I hate to use it as an, ex an, an, an explanation, but with, again, with the pandemic, so many restaurants, most restaurants have been very hard hit. And so if it's another way of highlighting them and giving them, you know, helping each other out, I guess, um, I think it'll be fun. And so far, everybody's been super amazing. And uh, and definitely um, the whole Fleur de Lis Challenge, the baking competition, I'm very excited about that because actually Alexandre Waddell and Matt Provencher, both are, are judges. So I love that we very have cool. these two professionals that are going to be judging our amateur bakers and I just heard this week, actually, our third judge is going to be Marie-Josée Duquette. 
from <laughs> That's the, awesome. the delegation to Quebec. Yeah. So yeah. pretty excited about all that. So I think uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Another, for, another former guest of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah so she's wonderful. Awesome. Well, so. this has been awesome. This has been really fun conversation. Yeah, Again, thanks enjoy, so much but, for invite us, inviting yeah, us. Thank you. Of course, Natalie and Oscar Hurdy of the Franco Foods YouTube program. Thank you, guys. This is cool. Thank you very much. (laughs) Now our fathers look at us and sigh with despair To think that everything they love we simply do not share But the spirit never dies, our culture will survive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Each of us must choose how much to keep alive Special thanks to Josie Vashon for providing the music. You can find more about her at josievashon.com. This podcast was produced and edited by Mike Campbell. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at fclpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fclpodcast for more information about the topics discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this episode.